This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. The following program is intended for mature audiences. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Shock flew up! Welcome to This Week in Tennis. My name is Phil Nasons, and I'm the co-host of this amazing weekly tennis podcast called This Week in Tennis. It is so much fun to do this show every week. They're hammering away at each other down in Australia. The numbers have been reduced in half. And joining me to talk all about that and a lot more, please welcome from CraigDoylePhotography.com. Craig Doyle is in the house. Craig, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing very well, Phil, and thanks for having me back for what is our middle show of the Australian Open. The middle show of the Australian Open. Of course I'll have you back. You're, you're part of the team. We've got to start out with some very sad news, though, today, Craig. A young lady from Russia, her name is Violeta Dektyreva. I think that's how you say it. She's a nice girl, or was a nice girl. Unfortunately, they and we want to offer our condolences to her and to her friends and family and those who loved her. It's a shame when a young person dies, isn't it? Craig? Yeah, it's absolutely horrible, and nobody wants to uh, hear that news. Um, certainly, in this uh, tennis circuit, not not everywhere. Um, it's taken a lot of people by surprise, and uh, it was up. Very young lady, bright future ever, and uh, it's been taken away, and it, it's tragic. It's yeah, maybe not so much in tennis, but uh, in life she had a lot to look forward to, and it's a sad thing. No one seems to know what happened to her. But you know what? That's the that's the thing with athletes is sometimes their hearts just stop, especially when it's hot outside, especially when they've exerted themselves to the point of dehydration and exhaustion, and they're playing outside in temperatures that are basically inhumane, like the Australian Open. Those temperatures, Craig, are unbelievable. I think I, I, I demand that something be done. I think you've got a valid point. I mean, it's stupidly hot out there. We're talking uh, southern hemisphere, middle of the summer. Temperatures, you know, 30 degrees on a bad day. On a good day, it just goes up to 40, 42, you name it. Um, these are the sort of temperatures that have people from where I live, um, collect their gear, they run for the beach, and they go sunbathe. They do not pack themselves into stadiums surrounded by other people to the point that uh, the body heat and the ambient temperature is causing uh, pe people to pass out or feel unwell. And they certainly do not put the tennis shoes on and run around a court for three or four hours in excessive temperatures. And they don't even play half as fast as these folks. They certainly don't, and they don't exert the sort of effort that you see some of these men putting in when you know they're chasing down balls that look like they're gone. Uh, then they get back up, away they go again, another huge point. Certainly uh, when, when you get to this stage like we are at now where it's becoming hugely competitive, um, the temperature plays such a major factor in the performances. I mean, how can you expect to premier athletes to perform to their maximum potential 
in conditions where they, they can't utilize their uh, strength and stamina in the way that they should be able to. It's darn right inhumane. And more importantly, you know what? It's borderline criminal what they're putting these young people out there to do. What is it going to take for someone to die? And then they get the point. Move the freaking thing into February. It's still nice enough to play outdoors there. Instead of building million-dollar roofs that may change the way the tournament is played and all that foolishness, just move it up a couple weeks. Forget about the stupid schedule. Put these young people's lives first. It'll be great for the sport, and it'll be great for humanity. No one's. What are we going to see? We're going to at some point, Craig. We're going to see one of these young people collapse, God forbid, and die right on our TV screens. And you know, it, it's very, very possible. Um, last year we had an unbelievable year for the Heat. We had players uh, feeling unwell all over the place. There was a lot of complaints. This year, it hasn't quite peaked like it did last year, so there have been fewer complaints from the players. However, you know, as well as I do, that the tennis politics is very complicated. This is not a WTA or ATP event. This is an ITF-run event. You have the ATP and WTA tours have events scheduled in February. They have contracts. They have sponsorships. Basically, they have money in place to run these events, so... Tennis scheduling, tennis politics, it's exceedingly complicated, which I think makes it difficult for them to shift this tournament to a more sensible time slot, which I think would benefit the level of play, and it would certainly improve the safety record. You should always put safety first instead of money. Who cares what those little, those little teeny tiny tournaments do? And I appreciate them all. Believe me, I do. But... Though that does that pales in comparison to a life, and someone's going to collapse out there and die. That's what's going to happen, and it's a sick thing to think about. I don't even want to watch the Australian Open for that reason alone. Not to mention the fact that, well, it's on very late here, and I have to do my job in the studio every day. But Craig, it's it's disgusting what they're putting these people through. These people need to get their heads out of their derrieres and do something about it. I've been in this business for a long time, and I have credibility to speak on this issue. And I'm going to tell you, I coach tennis in two of the hottest places on earth, Corfu, Greece, and Las Vegas, Nevada. You want to talk about hot. It gets hot. And in Corfu, 40 degrees easily. More importantly, it'll be 95% humidity too. Horrible, horrible conditions. And we didn't play during certain times of the day because it was just too awful. And I wouldn't allow it, even, even no matter how much people wanted to pay, because I would put them first. These guys need to do the same thing. These guys being the powers that be in tennis. You know, these players whine and cry to the point they got Super Saturday switched. If they can do that and move it to a Monday for a final, then they can move this tournament too. They need to cry about things that matter instead of their freaking wallets. They complain enough about that heat and something will be done. The best thing to do would be to boycott the bloody thing. That's what I would do. I would boycott it. I would organize a boycott until they move it. Watch how fast they move it then. Well, we've been there before a few years ago. It may not have been the heat that was issue. I think it was something to do with the potential prize money for losers in the early rounds. And there was a suggestion that they take the uh, tournament elsewhere. Uh, that 
didn't pan out because they increased the pay money. But uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to get people to boycott simply because these guys who turn up for the first round, they get a significant chunk of money that keeps them on the tour all year. And, you know, they're going to want that chunk of money. They're not going to want to miss out on that money because they might have to miss out on tour events later in the year if they can't afford the trips. So it's it, logistically, it's going to be difficult for the players not to turn up. Certainly the uh, players who are not anticipating getting beyond the first week. But it's also by doing so they can save their life. Is that 18,000 bucks or 15,000 bucks they get for losing in the first round worth their life? No, oh, it's it's certainly not. But uh, you know, you get one or two players turn up, then suddenly everyone turns up. You know how it is with people. Well, you would think, you know what? With all these so-called leaders, you think you'd find a couple out there who would actually speak out about it and get something done. But well, they're only interested when it matters to them. When it happens to them, it's all different. Then, and I hope for their sake, nothing serious happens to any of these young people. It is what it is. That's why I think about this heat. That's stupid. Build a roof. Yeah, that's that's how you do it. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Adrian, what was his name? Manorino? He yeah, actually had to retire due to the heat, and he was up two sets to one. Smart kid. Smart kid, but, you know, he has no prizes for retiring, and uh, unfortunately for him... The uh, the organizers haven't really taken recognition of that. They've not really uh, considered the fact that he retired due to the heat, and they played on basically. It's crazy. Roger Federer crashing out was just as, it, well. It's not as crazy as playing in that heat, but he still crashed out early. Andreas Seppi took him out. Seppi, one of our dark horses, ended up disrupting the entire tournament, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot of Roger Federer fans and tennis fans in general think that this is a bit of a spoiler. Um, certainly now that he's gone out for the tournament as well, it's uh, quite a crazy little situation there. He, he came to fruition. He gave Roger Federer a bit of a pounding, a 3-1 victory in sets, and it was a, a huge surprise to me. It's a huge surprise to me too. A big surprise to me. So instead of a possible quarterfinal with Murray and Roger Federer, we have Andy Murray and Nick Kyrgios. In the quarterfinals of the Australian Open, the Aussies are going wild for this kid, and why not? You know, But this is, I, I got a feeling, I, I'm, I said this on my daily show, Craig, and I'm going to say it here too. Andy Murray is going to win this tournament. Well, that's certainly a very bold prediction. I mean, we still have three matches to go for all of our quarterfinalists before someone's crowned the champion. Andy Murray's got a potentially difficult semi-final match, and obviously the finals are a challenging match. But you know, I, I think he'll be favourite to to beat Kyrgios in the next round. So that could be a very good shout. Yeah, Kyrgios is all right. Kyrgios, Kyrgios. How many ways you want to say it? It doesn't matter. Little Nikos is getting down down there in Australia. But the other match, this is a good one. You know, Andre Agassi says that Tomas Burdic is the best ball striker on the tour. I don't like to argue with Andre. He seems to know a few things about that. 
And he's in the quarterfinal against Rafael Nadal. Burdich just basically waxed Bernie Tomic, who ended up going off on the uh, organizers again. He's a big fan of Tennis Australia, Bernie Tomic is. And uh, this is a whole crazy thing. But Burdich and Nadal, I think Burdich is going to take him out. I'm going to disagree. I had a quick look at the records earlier on, and Nadal was won the last 17, 16, 16, something like that. 16 and 3. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. It's huge, but here's the thing. Do you remember Vitas Garolitis? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, he played before you were born, probably, but either way, it's like this. Bjorn Borg had beaten him like 19 straight times or something like that, and he said, and he finally beat Borg. And he said, nobody beats Vitas Garolitis 20 straight times in a row. And I don't think Burdish and Burdish is hitting the ball like a ton. Nadal struggled his first couple matches. The heat's not good for him. Burdish, he doesn't seem to care. I'm going with Burdish. I don't care about their records, Craig. Well, you know, we'll see what happens. But I'm uh, putting my money on Nadal to run him down in four sets. Really? Okay. That's fair enough. That could very well easily happen. We've got other men's matches to talk about, though. And these matches are probably going to happen. These actually happen Sunday evening in America. This show comes up about 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Eastern, so right before all this foolishness starts. Novak Djokovic takes on Gils Mueller. Gils Mueller, the king of Luxembourg, against Novak Djokovic, the Joker. I'd love to see an upset here, but I don't think it's going to happen. No, um, Djokovic... He's had a few scares. He was a little bit uh, rusty looking against Fernando Verdasco the other day. Uh, he lost the first set there, but once he settled into the match, he was fine. I'm sure that that match is probably going to go on at a, a nice time for Novak. It probably won't be too hot. Um, yeah, I just can't see the upset there. Djokovic is just too good in general. It's perhaps possible that Mueller can serve him off the floor. You know, he's done that before. I remember, I think he, who did he take out that year at the Aust- or the U.S. Open with about 35 aces? He just killed somebody. I can't remember who it was now, but it was a big name. He's a scalper. I like him, but I don't like him enough in this match. I would have to go with Djokovic in this. But this next match in that same quarter is interesting because Feliciano Lopez has had a nice Australian Open. He's a very good player. He's a lefty taking on young Milos Rayanich from Canada. I think it's going to be another upset for Feliciano Lopez, one of our dark horses, Craig. Yeah, I think I'm with you on this one. Um, and it's not that I don't like young Milos because I, I really like the way his game's shaping up. He's got that big serve and big forehand combination. He's starting to learn to move around the court a little bit better. He's looking better when he comes into the net. He's improved his volume over the last 12 months. But there's something about Lopez and the way he's playing at the minute. He plays that you know, old-school serpent volley style. He's, he's got the good hands. He's going to make the points short, make things difficult for you. I, I really do fancy Lopez here just to spring a little bit of an upset and uh, keep Milos Raonic humble just a little longer. I think so, too. And I like Milos, as you know. I'm a big fan of young Milos, but not in this match. I can't make a dash for the cash with young Milos in this match. Now, this other one, I'm telling you, Stan Wawrinka has to be traveling with a priest 
or somebody because this kid has had such phenomenal draws, especially down under, and he's taken on in that other round of 16, that second quarter, Willie Garcia-Lopez, Guillermo Garcia-Lopez. What do you do with him? I'm going with Stan Wawrinka in this one. Yeah, I'm with you again. Um, what a draw for Wawrinka. You know, you come back here as a defending champion, you could get a terrible draw, uh, end up in the same section as, uh, you know, some of these big players like Murray or um, even even a Dimitrov. You could have, have these players to face and... He, Warenka pulls his jaw where it looks like he's going to get to the quarterfinals, having not really faced any top players. Um, he may even find himself in a favorable quarterfinal as it is. Um, he, he plays well in the hard courts, Warenka, and f- for me, I, I really think he's going to get to the semifinals. Oh, I think so too. I really think so. Um, I like this matchup, and, and this is just beautiful for him. And then He's going to face more than likely the well. He will if he wins. He faces either David Ferrer or Kane Ishikori. Now this is a tough one to call because Ferrer is one of those sleeper types. He's old as the hills, but he still goes out there and gets it done. But Kane Ishikori, he's just fantastic, and he's playing well again. Michael Chang must have hooked him up with somebody because he sure is playing great. I'm going to go with Kane Ishikori in this one. Well, I'm, I'm going to go the other way. I, I think David Ferrer is going to run him into the ground. Um, it, it's going to be one of those matches where both of these guys are going to be running around. It's going to be crazy. They're going to be all over the court, every single point. Um, nobody's going to be hitting winners. I can guarantee you that much. Um, it'll be pretty defensive, ball kept in play. Uh, this is not a match that I can see finishing in three sets in two hours. I can see this one hitting the four-hour mark. Before we get a winner, both these guys are running each other into the ground, and I just think that despite his favorable record um, against Ferrer, I, I just don't see Nishikori doing it here. I I think he's uh, I think he's going to run himself into the ground, and we we both know that Ferrer he, he he'll probably finish a five set match and go out for a you know a five mile run or something afterwards. That's the kind of guy that he is. So Ferrer for me. Well, I'm going to stick with Nishikori because just because I think he's going to win. Great stuff for this first half of this show. What we're going to do, Craig, is take a break, say a word to our sponsors, and when we return, we're going to take a look at the ladies because there's a whole bunch of Americans still left down under. You hear that, men? The ladies are way above you. Good luck with that. And we'll be right back. You're listening to This Week in Tennis. The South Akron Youth Mentorship is exactly what the name implies. These folks mentor the youth of Akron, Ohio. If you would like to volunteer or perhaps help with a charitable donation, please visit saymentor.org and find out how you can help out today. That's saymentor.org. Maximum Sports Channels is more than just a radio station. Phil's Fantasy Sports Blog, The Writer's Garrett, up-to-the-minute news feeds, great sports and entertainment commentary, Maximum Sports TV, including professional powerboat racing, and, of course, the hottest music on the planet. Maximum Sports Channels. We're more than just a radio station. Hi, we're 
Falker from Sweden, and you're listening to This Week in Tennis with our friend Mr. Phil Nessens. Welcome back to This Week in Tennis. That was Rock Folkett and my friend Bussy Pearson, and they say my name, Nessens. That's how they say it in Sweden, but who cares? Those guys are in the Rockabilly Hall of Fame, and it's all good. And thanks, guys, for helping us out there. Craig, the ladies' side of things, there's a lot of Americans here. There's stories all over, but the big story was Sloan Stevens got bounced in the first round. If they listened to this show, they would know that that's what we thought would happen. Victoria Azarenka's had a great tournament, too. What do you think was going to happen with young Sloan Stevens? Because she has only, she just, what, what has happened to her? I think what happened actually is what we said would happen. Uh, you know, she, she peaked a little bit, um, maybe a little bit too soon. Um, maybe started to believe a little bit in her own hype, think that she had an entitlement to get to quarterfinals and semifinals and grand slams. And she's found out that there are a lot of exciting young ladies coming onto the tour who are hungry for success and that if you want to be someone on the tour you really gotta put the work in and keep putting the work in it's not a case of getting there and then the success will just come to you um it, it may look like that when someone like serena williams plays and she makes it look so easy but uh she's you know, Serena Williams, she'll be in the gym every day. She'll be on the court every day. She's putting the work in nonstop to stay up there on the mountain. It's not a case of you get there and you stay there. You've got to fight to stay in that place. And young Sloan is finding that out the hard way. Yeah, she got sizzled in that deal, didn't she? There is no question that she acts entitled. She come, Maybe she doesn't think that way, but she comes off that way. And I don't think she cares how she comes off. But either way, she's history after round one, just like we thought she would be. That's a shame for her. She's got a lot of talent, but she has either A, growing up to do, or B, woman enough to do and take care of business. I was going to say man up, but Craig, that's, that's sexist to say that, and she probably will get upset. Anyhow, you know who's been playing great this tournament? Venus Williams. Venus is having a bit of resurgence. Everyone talks about her retiring, and you should retire old, washed up. And she's found her way in the round of 16 against Aggie Rodwanska. Does she have a shot in this one? Uh, you know, Aggie Rodwanska is a, a difficult opponent for Venus because she's one of those players that's able to soak up the pressure. She could uh, just drop off out the back of the court, soak up that power game and sort of counterpunch back. Um, she might try and make Venus hit herself into the ground and uh, then just pick her off. It's a, it's a very difficult matchup for Venus. But having said that, we all know Venus is a multiple-time Grand Slam champion. She is on her day capable of beating absolutely anyone on the tour. So to say that she... Does she have a chance? I think she does. She always has a chance. Um, if she's going to win, it'll be in two sets. But, uh, you know, I, I would favor Radwanska. Yeah, my heart says Venus Williams. 
But my head says Aggie Redwanska. I think she's got it going on. She's hired Martina Navratilova. That's obviously helped. And it is what it is. Uh, but she's going. whoever wins that one is going to have to face an American in the quarter. Madison Keys and Madison Brengel, two Americans, two Madisons, the Battle of the Madisons. Is that going to be a good match? It's certainly going to be an exciting match because uh, I don't think anyone really anticipated either of these two young ladies meeting at this stage of the tournament. Um, Madison Brengo reached the final in Hobart on the way here. She lost out to uh, Heather Watson, I think it was. Um, but she's you know becoming a prominent player on the tour, young Miss Brengo. She's quite low ranked in the, the top 100, but uh, this this little run... Um, she's had the last few weeks. If she can keep that going, she's going to push her way into the top 50. And, uh, you know, you're looking at another young American girl um, in a top 50, which is uh, full of uh, American talent. So it, it'll be interesting. It'll certainly be uh, a little bit of a battle um, for uh, Fed, the Fed Cup team, etc. Uh, supremacy, see who, see who makes that team, who's entitled to the spot on the Fed Cup team. Um, but I, I like Madison Keys here. Um, she's uh, she does some crazy stuff off the courts, makes some uh, decisions that um, you know we found a little bit questionable. But I think this is going to be her year. I, I think she's going to win this match, and uh, sh- she'll have a good quarter quarterfinals. That's entirely possible, isn't it? Entirely possible. I'm going to go with the person named Madison to win. <laughs> I don't know who's going to win. Uh, Madison Keys has obviously benefited from Lindsay Davenport. That's obvious. Madison Brengel, this is a success story. This is nice to see all these ladies in the top 50. I really want to see Brengel win. So I'm going to go for Madison Brengel in this one, Craig. I, I just don't see – well, I guess it doesn't really matter to me. As long as we see Americans in there, that's all that should matter to me. Now, in that other round of these other quarters that were other round of 16s that were already played, Julia Gorgeous from Germany got spanked by Ekaterina Makarova. And now Makarova takes on Simona Halep because she took out Janina Wickmeyer from Belgium. This is going to be a cracker of a match, Halep and Makarova. Yeah, and I, I think um, from my perspective, it's probably not two household names. You know, it's not a Sharapova, it's not a Williams. Um, pe- people maybe don't know a great deal about these players, but I can assure you that you've got two quality women's players. It's going to be a very, very interesting match. Um, Halep will go in there as favorite with um, most people, I would think, given that She's had some great performances over the last 12 months at most of the slams. Um, Makarova, people tend to discount her because, you know, you see another uh, Russian player on the tour, you think, is this another Sharapova, another pretender to the uh, throne of these Russian uh, women, many Russian women who uh, come on the tour and have success. And... uh, She's different. She's different to Sharapova. She she might give Halep problems, but uh, I, I'm a big fan of Simona Halep. I think uh, she's made a lot of sacrifices to improve her game, t- to get where she is. And I think this could be a breakthrough year for this young lady. And uh, she's going to win a Grand Slam at some point. I think she may win one this year. Maybe not at the Serbian Open. I, I think I would prefer her 
at the French. I think that's more suited to her game, but um, she's definitely going to the semifinals here for me. Yep, I think, well, at least she, yeah, she'll probably get to the semifinals. Yeah, maybe so. I, I think Halep is good. She's another one who fired her coach. It is what it is. Makarova, I don't think she has enough in her arsenal to take out the young, hungry Romanian girls. So I'm going to go with Halep. Now, one of the stupidest things I've seen in the last two weeks, or in the last week, I guess, down in Australia was when the announcer who was interviewing her, her being Eugenie Bouchard from Canada, they asked her to twirl. What kind of crap is that? These guys are just, you know what? These are some dirty old men. That's what they are. They wanted to watch her twirl. Apparently, she was wearing something that they liked, and they wanted to see her twirl. Like you'd ask your wife, hey, twirl. What the world? Why would you want to do? Why would you ask her to do that? That seems a little bit sexist to me. Um, I think that point's been brought up by a variety of people in the press um, who were rather unimpressed. But uh, this is the Australian Open. They do things a little bit differently down there. The on-court interviews are sometimes unique. Might be one way of describing them. Sometimes they are what could be considered borderline offensive and things that you you would not see at other slams. They're very informal, and it's not just uh, this one with Bouchard. I mean, this is a very high-profile example because of who she is, um, but we've seen some really, really bizarre on-court interviews. Um, just just take what the example from yesterday when um, Andy Murray defeated Dimitrov. He was asked uh, if he knew that the best solution to his next match would be to lie down and allow Kyrgios to go through to the semifinals. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing to say, especially, uh, you know, when you're broadcasting to millions of people worldwide. Um, and it's maybe something that the Australians need to look at. Uh, just that little sense of humor that sometimes doesn't translate over to the global audience. Maybe they just need to uh, hold back on it before they get themselves into some trouble. Yeah, really. You know what? Maybe they're taking lessons from John Inverdale. You know, who knows? But uh, Inverdale is another one of those twits, those sexist twits. Maybe they can blame it on hay fever like he tries to do sometimes. It is stupid. You know what? They're just stupid. And here's in this after this match, somebody's going to do the same thing because Eugenie Bouchard takes on Maria Sharapova, a young guy's dream to sit there and watch these two young ladies battle it out to two pinup models. This is our pinup model matchup. Model Zinc has hit the floor, and here we go, folks. I'm going to go with Maria Sharapova in this one. Ah, so so am I. Um, I, I was going to go Eugenie Bouchard because, you know, I really like Eugenie Bouchard. I, I think she's got a lot to offer. Her game's fantastic. It's improving all the time. She's done so much work to uh, push her way into that top ten, make herself a real contender. Um, she's obviously going to place expectations on herself this year where she's going to start to want to win, whether it's uh, a slam or one of these um, ladies equivalent of the Masters type events. Uh, she's definitely going to want to be winning tournaments this year, but I just think it's going to come too soon. Um, this, this contest against Halep, uh, sorry, against um, Sharapova, I just don't 
see it being a great matchup for her. I, I think a, a match against Halep or a match against maybe Radwanska at the semi-final stage or the quarter-final stage would have been a lot more suited to how Bouchard plays. The way Sharapova conducts herself around the court, I think Jeannie's going to learn a lot from that uh, if she watches it over the next year. Um, the, the sort of cold mannerisms, the, the turning her back to her opponent, the, uh, the little bits of gamesmanship that just gives Sharapova the edge in these big matches. And I think that's what's going to see Sharapova through to the next round. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I really think you're right. I, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think that Sharapova is just way too experienced for her. You know, she's not a giggler anymore. She knows what she's doing. And it is what it is. And plus, you know what? Eugenie doesn't troll very well. So I had to get I had to choose Sharapova because Sharapova knows how to twirl. And that's why I chose her. It should be an interesting week. It should be a lot of fun this week. And that's going to wrap it up for this week in tennis. Craig, thanks a lot for being on the show. Great job as always. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I'm no doubt we'll be back very soon talking about our new Australian Open jump. Absolutely. That, yeah, next week. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's this week in tennis, you can catch us every single day at Max Sports Channels, at the 405 Media, the Talk Alternative. And if you want to bring this show to your radio station, just contact me, Phil at philnasonshow.com, and we'll be happy to hook you up. Until next time, he's Craig Doyle, and I'm Phil Nasons, and you just listened to This Week in Tennis.